Like if you can do something that's light and tight and simple and quick, do that first. Like don't wait until your giant ivory tower in the clouds is built because it's never going to get built. You know, your wonderful app for $50,000 is probably not going to happen. Um, and also, don't spend a lot of your time developing this amazing thing because people might not want it. Like, I've seen multiple examples of people making podcasts and apps and video channels, and really the only person who's watching or listening is their mom. Welcome to Specialty Scoop, a new podcast showcasing breakthrough ideas in specialty medicine, brought to you by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. And we're very grateful to RBC Healthcare for their in-kind support to make this possible. I'm your host, Dr. Guylaine Lefebvre. I'm the Executive Director of Membership Engagement and Programs at the Royal College. I'm also a gynae surgeon, a former Chief of Obstetrics and Gynecology at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto, and I remain a professor at U of T. Thank you for joining us in part two of our conversation about apps in healthcare. I'm joining today's recording from Ottawa, Ontario, which is located on the unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe Nation, who are traditional custodians of our beautiful land. In the first episode, we spoke to Dr. Teresa Chan and Monica Billick about their app in the making. They work out of McMaster, where they have access to a team with a lot of experience in digital learning. They stress the importance of having users of their product actually involved in the making of the app. Our guest today is Dr. Jonathan White. He's Professor of Surgery in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Alberta. Jonathan's been active in surgical education for over 15 years. Back in 2012, Dr. White co-created Surgery 101, basically bite-sized episodes of learning on basic concepts of surgery. He has since transformed his podcast series into an app, which is reaching learners around the globe. And I think that came as a bit of a surprise to you, Jonathan, how popular your, your app has now become. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And thanks for, uh, thanks for asking me to come on and, and, uh, and talk about apps and podcasting and all that sort of stuff. I'd like to actually acknowledge that uh, I'm coming to you live from Treaty 6 territory. I'm in the basement of my house here. And Treaty 6 territory is a, a traditional meeting ground, a gathering place, and a travelling route to many Indigenous nations, including the Cree, the Salto, the Blackfoot, the Métis, Diné, and the Nakota uh, Sioux. Um, I'd like to acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. I know normally I say that I'm coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, but recently, actually, in our podcast, we've started calling the place by its its real name, which is Amiskwachi Waskahikan, which means the, the Beaver Hills House. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the welcome that I've had from the peoples in these lands. We moved here from Ireland to Turtle Island, essentially here 17 years ago, and we didn't know anybody when we arrived. And we've been given such a warm welcome and such a lot of opportunity over the years. So I wanted to acknowledge my, my debt to the land and the, and the people here. Thank you, Jonathan. And it's absolutely great to have you with us today. Can you tell us a bit about the journey to your creating Surgery 101? Sure. So I, I got recruited here in Edmonton to the U of A 2006, I guess, and they put me in charge of undergraduate education. And I'd always had an interest in, in, in technology and that sort of thing. My father's an electrical engineer. I think he wishes that I was interested in resistors and diodes and that sort of thing. But I'm more interested in kind of communications technology. So I'm the first person that I know who had an iPod 
and trying to figure out how you how you use technology to communicate. Um, and the first person I knew who had a personal website or a wiki, any of that sort of stuff. So I was primed and ready to to go when it came to thinking about technology. And when they put me in charge of undergraduate education, I, I went to a few talks and people were talking about how you would integrate technology into teaching. And I came up with this crazy idea along with one of our residents at the time, Parveen Bura, why don't we do a podcast? Then the students can, they can come to class and listen to lectures and stuff, but they can also use their iPod to listen to these topics. And we picked 10 really basic things, like 10 topics that haven't changed in 100 years in general surgery. And we recorded them. Parpin was very good. He, we worked on the scripts and then he recorded them. And then we just told our own medical students here at the U of A, they're available, uh, go and use them. And one of my colleagues actually said, why don't you just burn, a, we had 125 students at that point, why don't you just burn 125 CDs and then hand out the CDs to the students? And we didn't do that because we were lazy. Who's got the time to burn 125 CDs? And Steve Jobs had just created this new platform called iTunes. So we said, let's just stick them on iTunes, these 10 little episodes, and say to the students, here's the link. If you like them, go and use them. And that's it. We did a little study and the students liked them and so forth. And then we moved on to other more, more interesting topics in our lives. But the podcast wasn't done with us because we started getting emails from folks. Because when you make an iTunes account, you have to give them your email address. So we got emails to say, I'm listening to this. And I'm not at the U of A, I'm not in Alberta, I'm not even in Canada, I'm in Hungary or I'm in Germany or I'm in Brazil and I found this thing on iTunes and now I'm listening to it. And then after that we started getting requests. Okay, you've done a nice episode on appendicitis, but have you got one on, on you know, benign prostatic hypertrophy or what about pancreatitis? And it turned out there was this demand that we hadn't realised for medical students out there in the world listening on iTunes to make episodes. So... I don't know much about benign prostatic hypertrophy. I don't know much about heart surgery or brain surgery, but I know people who do because we've got a faculty here about 200, 250 surgeons, all different sorts. And I was able to go to them and say, hey, I've got this student in Hungary who said, hey, can you make me an episode on, um, on heart surgery? Can you do that? And we actually got a little podcast team and they would go to the surgeon's office. They'd work out a script with them. They'd record it and then we'd bring it back and edit it and send it out. So within fairly, fairly rapid time, we had like 50 episodes and then 100 episodes and then 200 episodes and the ball kind of kept rolling. So that's that's where we are today. We have added a few extra things over the years. So we had a very active electives program where students could come in and work with us for a couple of weeks and make some episodes. And then we always have summer students as well. We started to bring in summer students from non-medical disciplines. So we got people, there's um, uh, the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology has a digital media stream where they're training people to be filmmakers. So we got some of the filmmakers in to give us some ideas about where to do next. And they said, hey, get with the young people. It's time to make some videos. So we got a YouTube channel. And one of the students who worked with us, a guy called Matt, Matt, when he was growing up, had always been a big fan of the, of the Muppet Show. And he said, I always wanted to make like an episode of Muppet Show. So we made Muppet episodes to do with surgical topics. One of the other students was a big fan of Lego. So we, we got into stop motion and made a bunch of Lego episodes as well. And then we, we ended up actually having to respond, as has happened with many schools in Canada, we got our time in the curriculum cut, like there was less time in surgery in the curriculum. So we had to replace some of our in-person lectures with podcasts. So we took all the objectives that you have in medical school to do with surgery, and we made a podcast about every single objective. So every single thing you're supposed to learn about surgery that has a learning objective there, there is a podcast for that. So we basically have covered the entire surgery curriculum, all the surgical specialties that you need.
It's been an interesting journey, I guess, over the last 13 years now. We just hit something like 8 million downloads in the last couple of weeks. And we've had something like 5 million down or 5 million views on YouTube as well. So we've probably reached maybe 13 million people across the world, maybe 200 different countries. Like we're getting emails from Japan and from Saudi Arabia. And I think we've actually got some listeners in North, North Korea, actually. I don't know how they're listening, but the app actually shows us where our listeners are when someone downloads an episode then uh, we're able to see where they are. So we've somehow got this global following. And, and this wasn't the plan at the start, right? The plan was just for our little class of 125 students at the U of A, 10 basic topics. So it, it kind of got away from us over the years. What an amazing journey, truly. It, it strikes me that you started with a first-generation iPod and 15 topics that haven't changed much in surgery, definitely the technology has changed a lot since the very first iPod. You started by creating podcasts. What's the difference in adapting to new technologies and, and having them available now in an app format? What was that transition like? It was interesting because we, we kind of started this journey before apps were a big thing. I mean, before the App Store was available. And kind of their very early versions of the iPhone were just coming out at that point. So we didn't start out wanting to make an app. But then as apps started to come along, we said, well, I wonder, should we have a Surgery 101 app? So I actually sat down with some app developers and they were going to make us this custom app and it was going to be lovely and everything. And at one point we started to talk about money and they said, well, how much of a budget do you have for this? And I said, well, I can probably talk to my department chair and maybe I can get like three or four thousand dollars maybe like five thousand dollars to make an app and then it'll it will go ahead with that i remember to this day they had like a, a portfolio with them and they just they closed it up and they walked away they just said like we can't make an app for five thousand dollars like thanks for your time so we're trying to figure out what to do we were we're still hosted we have been from the start with this company called libsyn which is liberated syndication uh we paid them six dollars a month to host the podcast on their servers and that's the source of all the recordings. Then they go out to iTunes and all the other places as well. So Libsyn had this new offering where they said, we will take your material and we'll make an app from it. Like we'll do all the software development. We'll just take your content and put it in an app and you can customize the images and the text and different things, but you can do that. And that will be the, that will be the princely sum of $20 a month for your own app. So I had app developers walking away from me for $5,000, but yet the Libsyn company were able to do this for $20 a month. Like I, I spend more than $20 a month on coffee. So we said, Let, let's just do that. And that's where the app came from. So if you say to me, like, how do you develop an app? I've got no idea. I've never coded an app. I don't know the first thing about apps because I got this company to do it for me for 20 bucks a month. Very insightful, uh, which I assume is a key lesson you'd like to share with physicians and trainees who might want to follow in your footsteps is you you started with a need that you had identified and a great idea and don't splurge on making an app before you know that it can be helpful. Well, I, I think there's a few principles of innovation that are on, underneath all of this. Like if you can do something as light and tight and simple and quick, do that first. Like, don't wait until your giant ivory tower in the clouds is built because it's never going to get built. You know, your wonderful app for $50,000 is probably not going to happen. And also, don't spend a lot of your time developing this amazing thing because people might not want it. I've seen multiple examples of people making podcasts and apps and video channels. And really, the only person who's watching or listening is their mom. 
like nobody actually you're not meeting a need in the in the market essentially whereas we because we kept it very small at the start we tried it out and then we identified that there was a need for this and then all of the development after that was basically driven by our listeners like they were the ones who were driving the bus here and saying can you try this and can you try that before we actually branched out in the in the videos we actually did a survey of our listeners and said do you think we should get into video and two-thirds of them said yes so we were basically following the following the audience essentially as to what they wanted and i think it's important to be to be flexible over time and to kind of change your model sometimes to say, well, we're going to go in a, in a different direction here. We actually had a very long discussion about whether we should charge for surgery 101, like whether there should be a cost. And we said, we're broadcasting to 200 countries across the world, more than that, all these different medical schools around the world. The last thing we want to do is put a barrier between the students and the content. So the content is free and will always be free. And if you go to our website or you go to our, our iTunes um, listing, it's always going to be free there. If you want the additional convenience of having it all on an app on your phone, then that's 99 cents. And that's a one-time purchase. So it's super cheap. I, I, I buy a lot of apps now that are more than 99 cents. So 99 cents shouldn't be a big investment. And then if you want the notes that come along with each episode, because we actually found students were using the notes to study then that's like four ninety nine a a year. And I've had students tell me it's, it's the cheapest textbook that, that they ever bought. It actually comes from a colleague of mine was on fellowship, I think, in, in Ottawa. And she said, the weirdest thing, she said, I walked into the OR lounge and I heard your voice. And I was looking around to see, like, where's Jonathan? Has he turned up in Ottawa? And it was the medical students sitting in a, at a computer in the corner listening to one of the episodes. And they were taking notes, like they were taking notes verbatim, line by line. And we said, well, we have the notes. Like we made a script and we've got all the notes that the authors put together. Why don't we give the students those notes and then they can use it to study? So uh, we've had a pretty flexible approach and kind of changed over, over time. And, and the last thing I would say is, and this is, the, this is the hard part, actually. A lot of people have come to me and said, I would like to make a podcast on X. You know, whatever medical topic it is, whatever, you, whatever it is you want. What's your advice? And I take them through some of the basic technical things, like how do you record and you know how do you edit and then where do you distribute and where does it all go? To be honest, that's the, that's the easy part. The hard part is pressing the record button, actually sitting down in front of a microphone or your laptop or something and pressing record and recording something. And the vast majority of people I've spoken to have never got to that stage. They kind of think about it but they don't actually commit to it. So my, my advice to anybody who's thinking of doing something, I guess, would be keep it light, keep it tight, keep it simple, keep it super cheap. Don't spend a whole lot of money on it. And then get on with it. Like actually decide what you're going to say and then press the big red button and actually record something and put it out into the world. Maybe nobody will listen and nobody will like it. You learn something. Maybe like us, you'll, you'll catch something. You'll catch a little fish that turns into a bigger fish. So my advice is press the big red button and just, just get on with it. I love that advice and plan do study at the PDSA cycle and we're often blamed for doing a, a whole lot more planning than doing. And so plan as you need to, but get doing, I think is what I'm hearing from you. And then, and then study your results, adapt to it and move on. And you really can't fail because whatever happens, you'll have learned from that experience. Obviously, a, a lot of your success has been being flexible and responsive to the needs of your learners. How do you get that feedback? Is it through just surveys that you send out or, or responses after people have listened on iTunes? Or how does that happen? 
Well, at, at the end of a lot of episodes, I say, if you if you like this episode, let us know why. And if you didn't like us, tell us that as well. And also, we're constantly asking people for, for new suggestions for episodes. So we'll often get somebody who will just email us and say, I remember this lady in, in Australia who emailed and said, uh, my medical school is really terrible at thyroid anatomy. Uh, can you make an episode on thyroid anatomy? And I said, probably not. <laughs> at that point, we were an audio podcast visual component i'm like well anatomy is so visual and she said well let me go away and think about it and we sat down with her over email and we worked out how to do an enhanced podcast with images so she did the audio and again this is her her asking for a podcast turned into her making a podcast essentially she did the audio piece and in fact it was so great because um she spoke for a little while and then her husband accompanied her and did little musical breaks on the saxophone and the piano like live in the recording and then we took that with the images that she had produced and put it into an enhanced podcast. So I thought we couldn't do it. And the student turned out to be able to tell me that I was wrong and she was right. And we were able to do an episode on thyroid anatomy. So I think it's, again, it's kind of following your listeners. And we get emails all the time. And I remember there was there were students who are traveling all across Canada. And sometimes the distances are great and they're traveling in their car. And they, they send us an email to say, like, I listened to eight episodes in a row when I was traveling across the center of, you know, Manitoba or something. Or remember there was a student who emailed us to say she was she was driving to Alice Springs from the coast of Australia. And all she listened to the whole way through was, was Surgery 101. <laughs> uh, so, so that kind of feedback is just awesome. We're hearing from people to say, we are using this material that you have produced to learn a little bit. And, it's, and it really is just a little bit. I mean, the whole philosophy here is you're on call in the hospital. You're asked to go and see somebody with some problem you've never seen before. Can we give you some material you can listen to, like in the 10 minutes you're walking down to the emergency room to have a basic grasp of what you should do? So it's, it's always the same type of thing. We say, why is this important? Why should you care about the topic? How common is this thing? What what are you going to encounter in the patient? You know what's what's the history you should take? What's a physical examination you should take? If you're starting to think this is a diagnosis, what are the tests and what are what's a little bit of the treatment? So that when you're actually presenting the case to your surgical preceptor later on, you'll have a little basic grasp as opposed to having none at all. And that's why we call it surgery one and one. It's that the very very basics. Well, and I would say with eight million hits, you seem to be hitting more than just the basics for sure. Looking back, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? I think that it, that's a difficult question because we have kind of changed and morphed over the over the time. So it's not we haven't been terribly rigid. We've kind of moved with the times a little bit. I would say one thing that I wish we'd done a bit more, and I hope we do a bit more of in the future, is involving patients a bit more. We had an idea a few years ago to do an episode on surgical oncology, and we thought let's just do a single episode, fifteen twenty minutes, and we're done. And then we worked it out. We kind of thought, oh, there's a bit on like, what is surgical oncology? And then there's a bit on diagnosis and there's a bit on staging. And then there's a bit on kind of treatment and chemotherapy radiation. And pretty soon we had gone from a one episode idea to like a six episode idea because it was quite complicated. So now we had six 10 minute episodes. And I'm kind of thinking, well, like there's still something missing. I don't think we've got all the aspects of surgical oncology. And then I realized we need to have some patients who've been through this. There was a, a friend of a friend who had actually had cancer surgery, and there was one of my own patients that I had operated on who had cancer surgery. So we got them to do a couple of episodes at the end. And it was interesting. I got my assistant, Tracy, to interview the patient. So I, I wasn't even in the episode at, at all. She did the whole thing. 
And hearing their side of the story was really resonant. I mean, some of the things that I had said in the kind of medical piece really resonated when you heard it, heard it come out of a patient's mouth, like this is important or that's important or this thing that happened to me was really bad and I wish it had been a bit more like that. So I think if I, if I was to go back and reflect on that, I wish we'd had more patient voices in there because I think they're the ones that really stick the learning on under the learner. Maybe that's how you get to surgery 102. Yeah, maybe. The other thing is that, I mean, we have, we've, we've pushed the envelope a little bit, right, in terms of the format. I don't think there's anybody else in this world who's taught surgery using Muppets. There just isn't. And there's nobody else in the world who's, used, who's, taught, who's taught surgery using Lego. And I know we've had people tell us, you know, this is for children, right? And I'm like, oh, it's not for children. No, it's for adults. But I think actually, and, and this is kind of where we are at the moment, and maybe it's because I'm in the middle of my career. I, you, if you've looked at our catalogue over the last few months, you'll have noticed we are stepping out of our comfort zone quite significantly. Like we, we covered all of the basic stuff. We've got appendicitis, we've got gallbladders, we've got arthritis, all those common surgical things. Now we're starting to move into areas that may make you a little less comfortable. Like we're talking about equity, diversity, and inclusion. We're talking about bias in the Canadian healthcare system. We're talking about racism. Uh, we're talking about self-care and wellness and, and avoiding burnout. We're sort of starting to talk about the concept that I'm working on at the moment is like they teach you certain things in medical school, but there's other things that they maybe deliberately leave out. It's almost like there should be a manual about how to kind of survive this process that you're about to go through being a, being a physician. And, and they don't give you that manual. You maybe get little bits of it from other people as you go through your, your career, but I'm sort of thinking we should be starting to, to be explicit about some of those things. And given that we have such a big listenership across the world, it's probably incumbent upon us to, to push the boat out a little bit and start to talk about some hard topics. You know, we actually did a, an episode on gunshot wounds followed by another episode on gun control to say, wouldn't it be awesome if nobody got shot anymore and then we wouldn't have to deal with gunshot injuries? And we had a couple of students who said, well, you know, you're straying into, into politics now. And we said, well, we're very privileged. We come from this privileged position where we can kind of say whatever we want. It's important for us to say things that are important now. And if you don't want to hear topics like that, then you shouldn't listen anymore because we're going to be pushing the envelope. I'd like to think that social responsibility is an inherent responsibility for all of us in healthcare. Thank you for this. I, uh, we could go on for a long time, but let me try and put together some takeaways. First of all, and I think this point is common for me with the first uh, podcast we did on apps, you really need to know your learners and involve your learners as you build this so that you actually are meeting an unmet need. I appreciate getting a team together to help fuel the creativity and the innovation as you move on. And you need to adapt to the technology as the technology continues growing. So can your product. I love your line, light and tighten, simply get on it. Um, Bite-sized pieces and learning as you go, not trying to boil the ocean as you, as you think through how this is going to look like. And really, don't be afraid to make learning fun. And I think if it's fun for the people who are producing it, that resonates with listeners, that they actually feel your passion, not only for surgery, but for making the world a better place in the end. Any final thoughts from you, Dr. White? I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground in a, in a very short time. And I, I think I would just, I would, I would encourage people to go, go and do likewise. 
to say, is there something that I can contribute that's going to help other people? Because in fact, it was interesting when I, I presented this work down at the conference in the, in the States a few years ago, and the Americans were horrified by this. They said, uh, you should be charging for this. Like you should charge, charge a dollar an episode. Uh, and then you'd have, I guess you'd have $8 million now, right? And I said, no. I think if we charged, that would have been a barrier and wouldn't have got so many people listening. And also, I'm privileged enough. I make enough money. I probably make too much money as a surgeon in Canada. So I think we should be taking this expertise that we have and sharing it widely and, and giving it away. I think if you're listening to this and you think you've got a project or you think you've got an app you'd like to move forward on, I would say, you know, make it small, make it light, make it tight, but get on with it. Get your voice out there in the world because people deserve to hear what, what you've got to say. Thank you for a great time with you. And I'm sure our listeners will have something to take from your wisdom here. Thank you for listening to Specialty Scoop. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, give us a rating, and even write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this episode on social media and with your peers. You can also tune in to the Royal College's podcast for medical students called Specialty Café, a Café de Specialité, an opportunity for specialists and residents to share a day in the life of their specialty. Until next time on Specialty Scoop, I'm Guylaine Lefebvre.